You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to be here with you. We're in our Rooted series, which we started right after e- e- Easter. Ah, it's been a long morning. Anyway, happy Mother's Day. So uh, we're kind of going through the series looking at what does Jesus want to do with our lives? And so if you're visiting with us today, whether it's online or here live or maybe on down the road, we're so glad you're checking in, so glad you're giving us the opportunity to speak into your world in this way. When I moved to Indiana roughly 10 years ago, uh, we bought a piece of land we still live on right now, bought an older home, and so because it had a bunch of tall, mature trees, we have three maple trees in our backyard. Do any of you like maple trees? A few? Okay. So the, the great and terrible thing about maple trees is that at this time of the year, you get all those little seeds. You know what I'm talking about? Those little helicopters flying all over the place. And um, like, I think this was God's version of the army men, right? You know what I'm talking about? Because like, don't you just want to take them up to the top of your house and be like, woo? So the great thing about these little seeds is uh, yeah, army men. I said that as like, like none of you played with army men growing up with the parachutes and you throw, anyway. So the great thing about these seeds is that they are a blast to pick up, throw in the air and have fun with. The annoying thing about these seeds is they land everywhere. And so while it's fun to take them and throw them at your kids, um, it's not cool when they start growing in places you'd never anticipated that they would grow. So we had this little plant in the backyard, and um, in case you haven't been here very long, you don't know this, but I have no green thumbs. Um, I'm not even sure I have any thumbs, and if I do, they're not green. I don't know what a green thumb does, but I know I can't garden to save my life. My grass dies. True story. You should come and look at my yard. Um, it's terrible. Like, I can't grow anything. And yet, this pot in the backyard managed to get a couple of these little bad boys to land in them, and now I have maple trees growing in my plants in the backyard, which seemed like a terrible idea. So first we start picking them out, but then we quickly realize, oh, these succeed. So maybe we should just let them grow. So now my boys, for most of the last six or seven years, have been growing maple trees in our pots in the backyard. In fact, our friends Jason and Missy Flint uh, were looking to put some new trees in their backyard, and so we said, oh, We've got some maple trees just for you. If you want to use them, you can have them. And then I got this great idea. I was like, oh, we can make some money on this. We could start growing maple trees and selling them to other people. And then I found out it's illegal. So I never actually finished the deal. I'm just saying, in case there's any police in the room watching. Now, what's fascinating about this is seeds will land wherever they can. And if the conditions are just right, you will get a tree, a plant of whatever that seed is. Jesus tells a story just like this. I want you to go with me and take a look in Mark chapter 4. Take a look. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Listen. Now, this is a New Living Translation. And the word listen there is intended to get your attention. This isn't like when a dad looks at his son and says, hey, boy, listen. No, that's not what we're talking about here. This is Jesus saying, you need to seriously pay attention to what I am about to say. I'll tell you why in just a moment. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. 
Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anybody in here have ears? Good, let's go ahead and pray. We'll call it a day. Because everybody understood what Jesus was saying, right? Exactly. Even the disciples don't get it. And yet Jesus says, anybody with ears to hear should listen and understand. But remember, he started with listen and he ended with listen. And there's a reason why. When Jesus taught, he taught almost always in parables. And the reason that he did this is really twofold. Number one, to confound the wise. And number two, to grow those who were hungry. Let me just explain those two things. So Jesus, whenever in the New Testament you see him really going toe-to-toe with somebody, he almost never goes toe-to-toe with people, just everyday people. It's almost always the religious elite. What we learn in Jesus' parables is he taught in stories that if you dig deep enough, if you ask questions, if you don't quit because it's hard or you don't get it, there's a nugget of truth and wisdom to be gained in it. You and I will still find this to be true today. I read things that Jesus teaches. I read things that even Paul teaches. In fact, I was reading earlier, just like a week ago or so, and and Paul, I can't remember if it's Titus or Timothy now, he actually says in there like three different kind of Proverbs, and then he says, think about these things, and the Spirit will give you insight to what I mean. He doesn't tell you what it means. Because if you are hungry and you come looking for food, God will feed you. However, If the only thing you really want from God is for God to do what you want him to do, and that's it, you don't really want a relationship with him whereby he's the master and you are the servant. If you don't want to sit at his feet and grow, if you just want whatever he could do for you, he just simply tells you there's not going to be a lot here for you. But anybody who really has ears to hear can listen and learn. So sometimes you need a pastor, a teacher, a theologian, an author, somebody who's studied it to say, look, this is what Jesus is talking about. And that's so helpful to us, isn't it? I mean, that's so helpful for me. And sometimes we just pick up our Bible and we can read something and wrestle with it, wrestle with it, or go and look for answers. I don't recommend you Google it because most of Google is not very helpful. Ask somebody who knows what they're doing and they can point you to some helpful resources. But notice later on in uh, Mark chapter four, Jesus actually goes so far as to say this. At verse 24, he says this. Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. And you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. It is critically important that as we come to Jesus to understand, this thing is driving me crazy, can you tell? That we come to Jesus to try to understand what he's saying and what he's doing, it is critically important that we listen to understand what he's saying and not what we want him to say. Does that make sense, the difference? It's like when you're talking to your kids, if you have kids or if you've ever had kids, maybe they're older now, and you're trying to tell them something and they heard what you wanted, they heard what they thought you were going to say, what they wanted you to say, and not necessarily what you actually said. So then they say something and later they say, well, dad told me or mom told me. And the truth is they kind of took what you said and twisted it. Yeah, we can't do that with Jesus. Jesus is saying, if you really want to get what I have for you, then you got to listen to what it is I'm telling you and the purpose behind it. 
So I called my friend Brian Franco uh, this week and was like, all right, Brian, I just got to understand. It was just a text. Brian, I got to understand, like, help me understand the way this thing works. So what Brian was telling me is if you were to just take seeds and you were to plant them in the ground, what would happen is it would kind of go through this germination stage and then the, the roots would start to pop out and they would go into the ground. And if that happens, this thing will take hold and will become really, really strong. So that when it starts to pop up, you start to get something that is going to be one day big and strong and healthy and producing fruit. The problem with these landing inside my little pot here is at some point, this becomes a barrier for it. At some point, this little pot will hold it back and keep it from becoming all that it was intended to be. And I think in a lot of ways, American Christianity looks a lot like this pot. I think in a lot of ways, we've built these boxes, we've stuck people in the boxes, and then we say, now grow. But the reality is, inside this box, you can only grow so far. Did you know that? So at some point, as we're growing our uh, illegal maple trees in the backyard, we realize we're going to need bigger and bigger and bigger pots. And so we start transplanting some of them to bigger and bigger and bigger pots. But there comes a point where the pot can no longer accomplish what it set out to accomplish. If this tree is going to become all that it was intended to become, it's going to have to get outside the pot. This is exactly what Jesus is trying to say to us. What you build your life on, the type of soil where your seed of faith is planted, will dictate the success of your life. Jesus says it this way in another passage. Take a look with me. In Luke chapter six, verse 47, Jesus says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's not enough to listen. It's not enough to hear. It's not enough to understand. We must also then follow through. He says, it's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. If you were to take this tree when it is grown up and you were to plant it in the ground, I just want you to ignore for a second that this is actually just another pot, okay? So we're taking this tree and we're planting it in the ground. If you were to do that, you would have to dig out a spot that's two to three times the size of the root ball, and then you would have to put in all kinds of soil and fertilizer and, nutri and nutrients for it to grow and get down deep inside there. But what will ultimately happen is that the wind will blow, the rains will come, perhaps a snow so heavy that it breaks the branches, and this thing is all of a sudden doing this. Anybody ever tried to put a tree in the ground? After I used this illustration last service, somebody came up to me and said, dude, my neighbors totally put trees in the ground just like this, and I'm just waiting for the first storm to come and blow the whole thing over. So if you're the neighbor, I apologize, your neighbor's telling on you, but this is exactly the point that Jesus is trying to get to. Life is hard. Have you noticed? It's stressful. Things happen. People get sick. People lose their jobs. Justice is hard to find. Fairness does not abound. And because of that, winds blow. Storms come. And when they do, if your life is not solid, down deep, at the base, eventually you'll just blow over. You'll lose some branches. There's going to be some hurt and some breaks, and you may not make it. And that's the ultimate point of what Jesus is trying to get to in Mark chapter 4. But he very specifically tells us there are four specific ways in which three fail, one succeeds. 
But maybe like some of you, the disciples don't get it. They're like, I, I, I don't understand. Take a look. In Mark chapter uh, 4, verse 13, Jesus starts to explain it to them. That Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Like, guys, this one should be as easy as anything I've ever taught, and you don't get it. So then he explains it. There's no judgment. He's just saying, come on, guys, you should get this one. I didn't get it, so thank you, Jesus, for telling me. So then he goes on. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. Who is the farmer? What is the seed? In the first story, the farmer would be Jesus. But that's not the end of the story. The seed would be the word of God, the story of God, who God is, what's he like, what's he want to do in the world. That's pretty much the Bible summarized in three statements, who God is, what he's like, what he wants to do in the world. And what Jesus is saying is the farmer takes the seed and he scatters it. Those don't scatter real well, but you get the point. He scatters it out. Now, the first farmer is Jesus, but that's not the last farmer. Then he goes on and he explains the different types of soil and the different types of situations whereby the seed could fall. I remember when I was, um, I don't know, maybe it was five years or so ago, I read an interview <clears throat> with Steve Jobs. And I don't know anything about Steve Jobs' end of his life. Some people have told me in the past that Steve Jobs may profess faith. I don't know where Steve Jobs is in eternity. I only know this. Steve Jobs grew up going to church. And one day, he saw pain and suffering and evil in the world. And he went to his pastor and he asked some hard questions. And I don't know his pastor. I don't know anything about what his pastor said, whether it was good or effective or not. I just know that whatever the pastor said fell flat in Steve Jobs' mind. And Steve Jobs, apparently, at that point in his life, walked away from the faith. Because he felt like there were too many hard questions that didn't have answers. That's why Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, look at verse 15. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. See, I know this about some of you. You grew up in the church or you grew up hearing about God and Satan has been playing a game with your life. He's desperately trying to steal your joy, take it away from you. And so as God is growing you and, and helping you to flourish, Satan just came. And listen, if you're here, if you're watching online, there's still hope for you. God's calling you right now. <laughs> See? God? I'm just kidding, brother. I don't know. That, I'm sorry, but for those of you watching at home, a phone rang in the middle of the service. It's kind of funny and well-timed, but anyway. It's not an accident you're here, but listen, there's an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. In Steve's case, Satan came and stole his joy. I don't know the end of Steve's story. I just know that there were many, many, many years of living apart from God. So when I was growing up, uh, one of my friends in my youth group brought another kid with him, and I didn't know him at all, but this first kid was my best friend, and so he started hanging out with us. Over time, he came to give his life to Jesus Christ, he got baptized, and um, he really started to grow exponentially. In fact, he started to outgrow some of us. I'll never forget because it was one day we all went out to play tackle football out at the, the local field, and um, there was some inappropriate language being thrown around that day. Uh, not by me. And um, 
I'll never forget this new believer. Man, he called us all out. Like he went off. He didn't really know how to handle himself. And after he got mad at us and just kind of like, you guys all say you're Christians, yet you're using this kind of language, he just stormed off the field. Well, then we all got mad. We're like judging him, even though in reality, all he did was hold up a mirror to us and say, you say you believe this, but you're living this way. And this guy was all in. He started leading Bible studies. He was constantly leading people to the church. And then I'll never forget, it was my senior year, his junior year of high school. We were at church camp together. And I was wrestling with what God wanted to do in my life because God was really starting to call me into ministry. And I was like, I don't, that is not my goal for my life. Like, I want to be a, a lawyer and have the perfect family, white picket fence, 2.5 kids, like the whole American dream. I was all in. And I poor half a kid running around. He's a Nickerson. They're short. Anyway, so <laughs> can we get a phone to ring again or something? Anyway, my friend, um, his wrestling with God was not whether God was calling him in ministry. His wrestling with God was whether or not God was real. And we were two guys getting together at first to encourage each other. Then it became clear to me in the middle of the conversation, like, wow, I'm trying to discern what God wants to do in my life, and you're trying to discern whether there's God. And I quickly dropped my cause and just started listening to him tell a story, and I found myself begging him not to quit on God. And he said, Matt, how can I believe in a God who ignores my prayers? He said, I pray and I pray and I pray, and here's what he's been praying for. I've been praying that God would not let my parents get the divorce that they're headed towards, and now in a couple weeks it'll be final. And if God is real, then why isn't he fixing the situation? To which Jesus says in Mark chapter four, verse 16, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. I had this other friend um, when I was in Colorado, and I won't say names, just in case anybody would be listening online, but he was a ranch hand. And I always get the name of this profession messed up, but a horseshoer, a guy who puts shoes on horses, I think it's called like a farrier or something, I always say it wrong. Um, he was a Christian, and he went to our church. I used to love the nickname we had for this guy because we would call him the funeral singer because there was a movie by Adam Sandler called The Wedding Singer, except for this guy had an amazing country voice and he would sing I Can Only Imagine. So every time somebody died at our church, they would hire him to sing at the funeral I Can Only Imagine. And he would sing at work. And so like, he was just singing at work. I could just picture him like putting shoes on these horses while singing I Can Only Imagine. And uh, I can only imagine what could happen in that situation. But... Apparently, this ranch hand was listening to him and started asking questions about what he was singing and his faith and all those kinds of things. Eventually, he invited him to church. Well, my future friend, I didn't know him at the time, one day he and his family decided that they would, in fact, come to church. And I remember he called this, this other guy that he knew who went to my church and said, so like, how much does it cost to get in? And my friend said, look, man, there's no charge. You can come for free. And I said, dude, you totally missed an opportunity to increase the church's budget. Like... <laughs> That's what we need to start doing. I am totally kidding. If you are visiting with us, there is no charge on purpose until your third visit. So <laughs> I'm still kidding. I'm still kidding. And then he said, well, what do I wear? He said, man, just come as you are. Just wear whatever. He's like, well, I work on a ranch. I'm kind of covered in stuff. He's like, well, clean clothes, all right? Well, he put on his absolute best, and then he showed up and found out everybody wasn't dressed that way. He quickly started being comfortable wearing jeans or whatever he wanted. And over time, he gave his life to Jesus. And then over time, he got connected to myself and my wife. And then over time, he got connected with some of our other friends. And one of the other guys that we had met in the midst of that had just moved to Colorado from California. He made a killing on his house, like most people did in California. 
He'd made so much money that when he came to Colorado, he's able to buy a really big and beautiful home and put a ton of money down on it. And my friend who was a ranch hand living in just this free kind of small house situation on the ranch, in his heart, he kind of started to get jealous of my other friend. So as he would show up and hang out, he would start to talk all the time about, man, I wish, man, I wish, I man. And I'd say, look, man, you don't need what he has to be happy. You don't need what he has to be content and full of joy. He is no more happy than you are. But he couldn't let it go. Eventually, he came up with this plan that he was going to leave the ranch. He was going to start his own business up in the mountains. And he got some other people to come alongside him and say it was a great idea. And I felt the Spirit of God say, Matt, speak up and tell him otherwise. But I kept my mouth shut. I said nothing. And he went up to the mountains and the whole thing fell apart. And shortly thereafter, he lost his family. And I don't know where he is today because that was just right before I left, about a year before I left. But I know that Jesus says in Mark chapter four, verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. You see how these things play out? See, I don't know where you are when you came in today. Every Sunday, I think about how I can write this encouraging, inspiring message. And then I got done preaching last service message, and I felt like I needed to apologize because it's heavy. I don't want to make more out of these numbers than, than Jesus intended for there to be. But if you just use the forced soil analogy, 75% will not become what God intended. And the terrifying thing of that is I go, God, please don't let that be me. What about you? Is your life becoming all that God intended? Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> because here's what God intends. Mark, chapter four, verse 20. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60 or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. There isn't a fifth soil option. There's no option whereby this seed gets planted inside your heart, you give your life to Jesus Christ, you unite with him at baptism, and then you sit in a pot and never go anywhere. Either you lose this thing because you never really gave yourself to it. You maybe grow to a point and cannot grow any further and you eventually just die or you go all in. Yep. <laughs> Listen, 
I literally, last service decided I was gonna cut about a third of my sermon. So if you've downloaded the app and you have a whole bunch of stuff in there I'm not gonna talk about, it's because I'm sitting here on stage in real time wrestling with how do I make this real? See, right now, a whole bunch of you come to Kingsway, and I know a bunch of you come since Easter and you've been visiting with us. And you've been asking hard questions, and you've been getting some good answers, and you still have many more questions, and I so praise God you're here. My question, I wish I could sit with all of you and ask you this, my question is, when you came, did you experience the life, the life of Jesus Christ in this place? I think Brett Cadwell nailed it on Easter. He said, we want this to be the most loving, welcoming place that you will experience in your whole week. So that when you show up, you know without a doubt. I don't know if I agree with those people. Some of the stuff that the pastor says I think is nuts. But I tell you what, when I go there, I'm loved. And do you know how we get there? The only way we get there is each of these seeds dying. It's me taking up my cross daily, the Bible says, for him. This week I was reading the Bible with one of my boys and um, we came across a little passage and my son looks at me and he goes, Dad, I don't understand. What does it mean to take up my cross daily? And so I'm trying to make sense of it to him and I said, son, this is the best I can explain. What that means is every single day I don't say, God, here's my great plans for you. Instead, every single day I say, God, you are great. What are your plans for me? Now, if I do that, at the end of the day, I could say I died. I took up my cross daily. It's like, I don't understand the cross analogy. On the cross, Jesus said, I will do whatever the Father wants. Whatever is best, whatever the Father believes needs to be done, I'll do it. It doesn't matter if I want it. It doesn't matter the personal sacrifice. I'll do it because the Father has asked me to do it. He said, why is that so important? I said, because it's hard. Dying to self is hard, right? I said, especially when I have stinker kids like you. And he didn't think that was very funny. But your heavenly father is so committed to you becoming more than you had ever envisioned that he didn't just save you. He didn't just take you out of wherever you were and put you somewhere else. No, he intends to grow you and to do something with you. What is it? To reproduce in you himself, to multiply himself through you so that you would produce 30, 60, even 100 times what was originally planted in you. So maybe a question to ask yourself is, how does my life reflect that? Is the seed of faith planted inside me something that is merely going into my life and no further? Or is it something that is oozing out of me? When people meet me, do they know there's something different about me even if they can't put their finger on it? Do I find myself giving sacrificially and joining God's people in this? Right now in America, we're in a very unique place People are studying this stuff, and there's something called the nuns, not the N-U-N-S. Some of you grew up with those. These are the N-O-N-E-S, and it's to describe a generation, a young generation today, who has literally zero experience in a church. Some of you fit this. They've never been to a church for a wedding, never for a funeral, never for an event, never for a church service, never for VBS, and there's an entire generation. So if you look at America on a whole, there's the older group, those who are starting to maybe be age out and phase out into heaven, 
Many of them have been connected to church at some point in their life. Many of them statistically still consider themselves to be connected to God. And as you track all the way down, you get to a little younger than me, the millennials or so, their kids have zero experience in the church whatsoever. And they have a lot of preconceived notions about who God is, what God's like, and what he wants to do in the world. And most of their answers are nothing. He's not real. He's a facade. He's a crutch. And yet something in them is spurring them, is drawing them. And they can't put their finger on it. They just know that they have hungers that aren't being filled. That they're thirsty, but they can't find a drink. And so every once in a while, if you will take your seed and let it die in the ground, you will find it coming to life in just the right moments, in just the right places, as God puts you in conversation with people who are aching to know something more than what they see and experience every single day. And what we want is we want Kingsway to be a place where it's safe for them to come and ask those kinds of questions. Because see, apart from Jesus, life is stormy. It's hard. And when the storms come and the winds blow, what are you going to anchor your life to? See, I believe what Jesus is trying to get to is the church is supposed to be the safest place on earth. A place where when you show up, we will not waste your time, and we will not waste our lives, but instead we will pour our lives out in service to our great God. See, when you come here and you've got all kinds of just junk that's happened to you and stuff you're looking at in the world and you're trying to figure out, and roughly a third of Kingsway people or a half of Kingsway people engage in the ministry of the church, then what? Now, don't get me wrong. There's a whole bunch of people here who serve in various ministries, and they will serve till their last breath because I know many of you, and you will burn yourselves out because you believe God is worth it. But it didn't have to be that way. If every seed of faith in here planted itself in the ground and said, I'll do my part, Imagine what would happen when people come here. My friend Brian Franco, who owns Franco Landscaping, um, he did not pay me for that plug, by the way, but he, uh, maybe he should. No, I'm just kidding. So he said, you know, if you were to take a tree and try to plant, transplant it into the ground, you've got to tether it to something. That way when the wind blows and the storms are raging, it's got the strength and the support that it needs to get the job done. And if you only tether on one side, it'll still blow over. It's that healthy putting people on both sides of your arms so that when you're weary, people are there to hold you up that makes the church powerful and real in people's lives. Me getting up here and teaching and explaining the things that Jesus says and what he means by what he says, that's only part of it. See, people will come for the preaching. If the preaching is decent, they might even come back again, but they will stay because they got connected to other people. But some of you right now, the only reason we see you once a month or once every six weeks or once every eight weeks is because it's stressful to get everybody up on Sunday morning. I know my poor wife does it without me because I'm here doing this. And get everybody ready and get out the door and get the church. And then if you get there and if you're late and then you don't meet anybody and it's dark and you just walk out the door and go home. And if the message is as depressing as this one, you may never come back again. <laughs> but what if when you showed up, there were a whole bunch of smiling faces to say, I'm so glad you're here. 
What if there was somebody who walked you to the kids' check-in and said, look, you look new here. Can I, can I play with your kids for a second while you check in? I know that's scary. I'll stand right next to you. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Could you imagine if uh, we handed them a cup of coffee and said, we're so glad you're here, but opened the door and said, welcome. God loves you. Imagine what would radically change in people's lives if their kids went into kids' programming and their students went to student programming on Sunday night and they were surrounded by adults who loved them and were safe for them. And their kids came home and just couldn't stop talking about what an amazing experience they had. They actually felt the love of Jesus. The only way we get there is if we all go in together. That's it. Otherwise, when your life gets uprooted and moved over into a new place or a new location or a new situation or a new hard thing and you're trying to figure it out, take these supports off and good luck. Let it never be said of us that that was the story in our community. What I wanna do right now is I'm gonna pray over you, but before I pray, don't check out yet. I want you to grab the serve card in front of you. Now, if you're in the front row of any of our rows, you're going to have to go behind you to get one. Just grab it. I don't care if you throw it in the trash later. Actually, I do care. Don't throw it in the trash later. But take a serve card out. And what I want you to do is just simply fill it out. You don't have to have the answer on how to fulfill this ask. You only have to respond to the conviction of God in your life right now to be the church to see God multiply you 30, 60, 100 times what was planted in you. God did not give you this thing called faith just for you. He gave it to you to give away. Will you step into that calling of God in your life? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Father, I pray right now not for shame, God. May none of us be ashamed. If anybody in this room right now is feeling ashamed that they have wasted any part of their life and not been faithful to you, God, may you remove all shame. That is the enemy speaking condemnation over them. But God, what I pray for is conviction. God, the Holy Spirit moving in us and revealing to us ways that we need to step into your story. God, please don't let the busyness of this life distract us from the fruitfulness of this life. God, please don't let us get so wrapped up in our kids' sports and hobbies. Please, God, don't let us get so wrapped up in our uh, fun experiences or whatever it might be, our jobs, our social life. God, we don't surrender and die for you. You are the only one worthy. And what you want to do in us is so much bigger than many of us now see. God, open our eyes, expand our minds, give us a vision that is bigger than we're currently experiencing. And anybody, I pray God, anybody in this room who is carrying any amount of shame, that voice in them that says, you're not good enough, you don't know enough, you aren't experienced enough, you haven't done this long enough, you are a failure, you should have, you could have, why didn't you? God, I pray right now that you would bind up that voice and cast it out. That's not your voice. But your voice is calling and drawing and saying, I want to do more in you. 30, 60, 100 times what was planted in us. God, may we be faithful to that. God, call us. 
to serve you with all that we have. And we ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Listen, before you go, take that serve card with you. Fill it out real quick. You could stick it in the boxes in the back of the room if that's fastest for you. You could take it to the welcome hub and say, here, I don't know what to do with this, but Matt told me how to do it. Or you can go to the table out there with all the balloons and just say, here. If you want to talk about it, grab somebody on staff. Grab somebody where it connects you to say, help me. But otherwise, just fill it out. We'll follow up with you. God bless you. Have a great day.